Culture Wars with Giles Hardy and Dom Knight. you can see in La La Land and here, that's Ryan Gosling singing the blues or something. Hello, Giles Hardy. Oh, my goodness, Tom. Surely, surely having seen La La Land, you know it's jazz. Pure jazz, pure yeah. jazz. Um, hi, Tom. How Hello. are you? It's, it seems so harsh to have a war at this point mm. after Ryan gave us such a, a pleasant We should intro. be whimsically just wandering along Santa Monica Pier, but we have we a should. format, Charles. We do. We have a format. Welcome to Culture Wars, everyone. Culture Wars is based on the premise that it really doesn't work when film critics violently agree with each other. And look, this is a perfect example because this film, let's face it, Giles, is quite a lot of buzz about the old La La Land. I believe the technical term is Oscar favourite. Uh, yep. It is the favourite for best picture. It is the favourite for best actor. It is the favourite for best actress. It's just the favourite. If they, if they had a best jazz musical movie category, well, it, it, there wouldn't be a lot of nominees. <laughs> yeah. But it's safe to say this would be the favourite. But, yeah, so in Culture Wars, Dom and I, based on the toss of a coin, how does a coin sound when it hits a table, Dom? It sounds exactly like that. I'm so glad you're here for Foley. Yeah. Uh, we toss a coin and using that, one of us will get to choose whether they argue their passionate agreement and, and fulfilment and love for a film or whether they argue their passionate disagreement and mm. disdain and uh, concern over And thank a film. goodness, really, because uh, there's, there's every chance, given the way that most have reacted to this, although we are unpredictable, Giles, that we would just be there going, oh, it's one of oh, it's one of oh, it's great. It oh, is. Give it all the prizes. Just give it all the prizes. But we won't. One of us will be given the task. Indeed. And opposing look, I, La La I, I feel like I, I, for reasons of, I don't know, I'm in the mood, I feel we should explain that the, it isn't just to be disagreeable. It's also the notion that I feel that we actually get, you know, a more wholesome we uh, and rounded conversation about the film because honestly we just, yeah, we naturally, uh, you know, don't just try and lie to win an argument. We're trying to find the pros we and find, cons. Well, there's always so that, faults So that there. you, dear listener, will know if this is your film because not every film, in fact, every film is not for everyone. Very there is someone point. who hates every film. I have a coin here. You do. Let's use it. I'll, Shall we? I'll flip it. Call it in the air. Okay. Heads. It is heads. I would like to say that I like La La Land. You bastard. No, that's wonderful because I have lots of criticisms to make of this film. But uh, let's begin, as we always do, with the positive uh, synopsis of this award Favourite film? Certainly. La La Land opens in Cinemascope. It opens in 4.3 uh, as an aspect ratio. It opens in, it opens in a grainy logo and then it expands out into full Cinemascope and opens up into what is a modern-day tribute to a the 1950s musical style. Uh, set in Hollywood, modern-day Hollywood, it is the tale of Sebastian, played by Ryan Gosling, who is a wannabe jazz enthusiast slash revivalist. Uh, he is an 
accomplished uh, jazz pianist. He's a jazz geek. He wants to bring jazz back. So he's straight out of Damien Chazelle's last film with Plash, actually. Indeed. We will come to Damien Chazelle because first, Sebastian finds himself in a car, uh, well, in a car, in traffic behind Mia, who is in a Prius. Uh, Mia is a young wannabe actress. She works in a cafe on the Warner's set, uh, and they find themselves in the middle of the opening musical number, which is uh, Another Day of Sun, uh, which is the moment when I... I must admit, the, and, and this is honest praise, that was the moment I most worried about this film because that felt was when I felt like I was in the musical episode of Buffy, which I will note <laughs> I loved, uh, but and I'm a huge fan of Joss Whedon and Buffy, but this film doesn't have the... Uh, it doesn't have many of the uh, the stylings of Buffy nor Joss Whedon. It's not trying to use that meta sense in the way that he does, not their humour. So I worried for a while. But what we get is an incredible love story set against a, uh, a, a, pro- a progression through two careers in Hollywood and, and in modern America and in the creative arts. So it, it essentially relies on the natural chemistry that exists between Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. They are two equals in this. They're both uh, equally challenged in their careers. They're both probably a little bit emotionally stunted, but it, the f- film doesn't labour over that. Instead, we take a journey through four seasons and then a fifth. Uh, and these uh, seasons are, you know, as, as they <laughs> often are in America, uh, they are winter, spring, summer and fall. But in L.A., Exactly. They're all exactly the same. So, so it should be noted that yeah, and it's it's a very very early spoiler, but uh, yeah, the the another day of sun song finishes with the announcement that it is midwinter in Los Angeles, and um, yeah, that is a sense of this film is as much, if not more than anything, a love letter to Los Angeles. Well, that's why Hollywood's um, there or because in fact, it's a love ballad to Los Angeles. The sun shines all year round in LA. Finally, um, the note needs to be made that the we as they progress through their relationship and in their careers. This is not a true. This actually progresses in terms of its style of musical, uh, and it uh, at the beginning it felt like it was going to be a very almost a straight musical in terms of the number of songs. But in fact, it much in the way of their relationship, the style of musical and the style of filmmaking goes from simplistic to complexity, and that is, I think, very intentionally uh, a metaphor for what is happening in the relationship and in the lives of well, all people. And that is when, of course, you look to the fact that as Damien Giselle, the writer-director, he wrote and directed Whiplash. Uh, he casts again J.K. Simmons here, who he basically uh, earned an Oscar for, uh, which is not to take away from J.K. Simmons, oh, but uh, J.K. Simmons he was is a incredible. Whiplash was a film of Whiplash. genius. It does mean... An um, this is a very small absentia spoiler. You do spend half the film waiting for J.K. Simmons to throw furniture, and he does not. Uh, so there you go. What he does do, I'll leave to the surprise of the audience, but uh, we do get J.K. Simmons returning, uh, and uh, there's just such beauty in this musical. There is um, great uh play with both reality and fantasy but yet yeah, I was most enamoured with the way it moves from simplicity to complexity. So there you have it La La Land, an attempt to do an old style Hollywood musical uh, with two of the most bankable and endearing stars in Hollywood. Yeah. And arguably the, the director most on the rise. Yeah, absolutely. Just a couple of problems oh, yes. in the execution of this, this vision. Uh, for one thing it doesn't know whether it wants to be hyper-real and, and over-the-top. So what you get is a series of, sort of really 
kind of Busby Berkeley do the whole thing, visual pastiches. But it's kind of hard to work out what the reality is of their lives. And so, for instance, when we met Mia, she lives in a in a house full of aspiring actresses. There's a, a jaunty musical number with all of them getting ready to go to a party. But it's hard to actually discern any of the other you know, characters in this film, other than the, the central pair. They really, just about all of them have nothing to do. They're clownish, cartoonish figures in the film. And so I, I thought in the end, it was almost as though we were inside the bubble with them. And I, I felt that was a pity. But also you're banking an awful lot on your songs when you do this. You're banking an awful lot on your musical numbers. I didn't think it quite made it. I think, in essence, you have two fairly self-absorbed characters going through LA, taking a risk, following their dreams, etc., etc., all the stuff that America tells us to do. It's essentially propaganda for the American creative arts. Take a dream, have a crack, have a go. You can make it if only you back yourself. Is and that's, though, that's or, the message we always get. Or is it, in fact, a lesson regarding what happens when you do that? Well, without wanting to give away what happens mm. in the film. But the, the thing is that people like Sebastian and Mia are ultimately self-absorbed. They're ultimately all about their careers. They're ultimately all about sacrificing everything. But what happens when you've got two people in a relationship? That's what the that, film's about. And that, to me, is why the... You are quite right that the, the nearly every other character... I mean, you have uh, J.K. Simmons as Bill. You have John Legend, uh, who turns up as uh, a character named Elliot, who uh, is a uh, nefarious figure from Sebastian's past, who then becomes a part of his present. And we, despite those two statements, I can still barely tell you anything else about him, apart well, from the fact that it's not much of a surprise that John Legend plays a musical character. And, and sings but, beautifully too. Exactly. But there's such potential for tension there that's, that's essentially not but really... The, the, this is the nature of the genre that that has been chosen and the, the way that uh, Damien Chazelle has tried to approach it is the nature that you are quite right. These are self-obsessed individuals. They are somewhere between driven and egomaniacal and that is the way the film plays out. They, they live in the way of romance. I mean, we've all been, and like, well, I hope we've all been in love in that sense when the so. rest of the world disappears. And we've also all been driven at some point with a project where the rest of the world disappears. And that's that's what's being presented here. Like, it is this story of two people, their careers and their relationship with each other. And everyone else is a bit part. And I kind of respect that it, it makes it a very tough film to completely fall in love with and that that was my first concern this film and and i know i'm not meant to argue that but in fact it became a benefit for me because this is not a perfect film it is in fact better for its flaws because the the biggest thing for me is that i was not emotionally swept away i was instead taken on this much more small yet adventurous magical trip I, I i i sort of don't quite have the right words but i was i was more transported in a in a and and genuinely fascinated to see where this went rather than playing the normal small rom-com game of will they won't they will they won't they and there certainly isn't always sugar the problem is that he wants to at the same time deliver all the pay the payoff of a big time musical all of the delight fred and ginger dancing at sunset Does he? on the hill but, Does then, he? but then at the same time Critique it, and the, the problem is. Oh, so I don't think he does. I think that this is jazz. He tries. This is this is you know the nature is that it starts with structured musicals, and this is one of the you know it's the beauty of being able to you know think about this uh, and and discuss it, having seen it, is that it starts with its most structured musical number by a significant margin, and it's soon afterwards it has its most obvious duet, and what 
the heart of this film is is in at one point is in in one regard is jazz and and that is described uh you know very explicitly in the film as being something that is alive that is never the same where everyone is competing with each other and striving for attention and slowly the style of musical collapses this isn't by the by film's end the closest it has to a musical number is essentially uh, a jazz number that I, the only thing I can compare it to in filmic history is Singing in the Rain. The scene that I personally have never liked in Singing in the Rain where they go into the dreamscape, which is very jazz. But here it works exceptionally. Well, there are a lot of dreamscapes. Indeed. And, but, and they certainly look good. But, but the jazz dreamscape here is, to me, better than Singing in the Rains. And that's a huge statement. It's one of my favourite films of all time. But... It's because at that point it's really earned the fact that the film has in many regards structurally collapsed whilst not losing its direction or its capacity to take the audience with it. Yeah, there are certainly some surprises in it. But look, and then you get into one of the problems, which is that this whole notion of jazz and and in Sebastian and Mia, to me, ultimately got characters who weren't sufficiently likeable. That's a hard thing for Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone, who was so fabulous in Crazy Stupid Love. And I kept comparing it in my head with that film. All the beautiful moments in that film, um, we didn't have the same level of fluency of wit of interaction here. And I know, okay, it's a musical, but if you think on a, of a musical like Chicago, where you've got Queen Latifah coming in very, very briefly, the show-stopping number... Um, you know, when you're good to mama, mama's good to you. That's what a musical is. A musical has other that's characters what, that's coming. That's what one kind of but musical that's what, is. If you think of any musical that I, I reckon in the whole history of Broadway, you have memorable bit characters who come in, do a musical slam dunk of a number, and then go off again and we don't see them again. They're, they're strong bit players. We don't have that. And that's a problem in this film when the two characters ultimately are ones we've seen endlessly b- uh, before and are not very likeable. I mean, okay, what, what, well, I hang wanna, on, let me just finish. Sure. So, in in the character of Sebastian, you've got essentially a, a jazz purist bore, and we've seen that we've seen this sort of obsessive character before. And in the end, you kind of even wonder if there's any value in the tradition of jazz and in what he's doing when um, John Legend takes him to a much more successful place. And in in Mia, we see yet again a striving actress who wants to make it. Well, I won't say what happens when she goes and does a solo show, but you can probably guess if you've seen a movie before. And there have been so many films about these ideas and these characters and this situation. There have been so many films about LA and the movie industry before. And to me, there's nothing new to be said here. It doesn't comment uh, in any different way. Even compared to something like LA Story, which must be getting on to 20 years old now. Oh, and change. As a, as a comment on LA, as a portrait of it, I just felt like all of these... Uh, bells and whistles, but nothing really new to say, Giles. Well, I, I will start with your your final point, and that is uh, when Hollywood does Hollywood, they need to prove to me that there was a reason for making the film. Because, yeah, it's not just navel-gazing. Uh, yeah. Because it is, it, it's the classic indication and the first sign to me that a filmmaker has run out of ideas, uh, and that can apply to some great filmmakers and some not-so-great filmmakers. I recognise uh, that there is an exception. There are exceptions to every rule, uh, in much in the way that narration. Uh, it's another classic one. Voiceover. Nine times out of ten means that the filmmaker didn't know what they were doing. One time out of ten, it's Goodfellas. Uh, hmm. And when you get, uh, and the same goes for filmmakers making films about filmmakers. Nine times out of ten, for me, they didn't have an idea. One times out of ten, it's The Player or Swimming with Sharks or you know some of the great films. Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, for example. <laughs> on, uh, the ob- 
obvious trio <laughs> dimension there. But uh, La La Land for me definitely falls into the latter category because it is uh, not about there's there's the, the one thing this film does not lack is ideas. I think that this is uh, in many regards it's you know it is really hard in some ways as an audience when a film is actively trying to collapse its genre around itself that i mean it's suddenly got ideas aplenty it's just that it might be hard to uh you know to stay within it and to uh, enjoy the ride you're giving it a lot of the- kudos for that we can't really analyze the shifts and tricks of what happens but you're, you're giving it a lot of credit for the ingenuity of, of i th- well i th- i think that it calls its shot I think that the 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 film early on calls it shot, you know, and and quite obviously to me when it says when you know the the film one one of the, our characters is involved in the film industry and the other one loves jazz and particularly when we know that Damien Chazelle is the writer director and if there's one thing we've learnt from you know looking at the small but impressive uh, filmography of Damien Chazelle that man loves his jazz he does and so this is a jazz film and I don't mean it is a film about jazz I mean it is trying to make jazz in a filmmaking style, and I believe succeeds, but it calls that shot early, and I think you can... I'm not normally a critic to try and interpret filmmakers' intentions because I think that that implies that the filmmaker is standing next to the screen explaining it to you. But in this case, when one of the characters essentially articulates what the film's setting out to do, I think you're allowed to uh, say that it's part of the expectation. Yeah, but if you're if you're saying this is jazz in the sense that it, it's kind of it, it improvises within a form, it's it's different, it's unexpected. The the player takes that's a step past you haven't gone but, before. But that's not how the film defines jazz. But the film defines jazz and therefore that is the expectation I hold it against as when it's never the same again it's always you know everyone starts with riffs and then one one player takes off and has an idea and then and then another, yeah, it's another player as I play, yeah, fights for oh no no I recognise what but improvisation implies different things in filmmaking within a yeah. no fair enough but yeah, within a, I was thinking as a jazz musician myself with not really. Um, I, I, <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 I mean, dabble. I dabble. <laughs> no, look, but yeah, within an existing structure, you you are free to, to experiment. But to, but in this case, to me, that leads to self consciousness. It leads to um, trying too hard and not to, not delivering on all the puzzle. Well, now the other question I wanted to go back to was your first point, which is you 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 said you weren't a fan of Sebastian and Mia as the characters, and particularly you felt it was really hard for Ryan Gosling and Emma first. Stone. Oh, there were some beautiful moments early but on. There. I'm, okay, I'm curious to see whether you think it would have been different. The original casting for this film was Miles Teller and Emma Watson. Ah. What would you have... Do you think that could have made a difference to me? Miles Teller... I'm not sure I could have seen a Damien Chazelle film with Miles <laughs> Teller in it and not just been terrified of every drum kit that, that came into That's a frame. Uh, you would have hoped that you had health insurance. Yeah. I think it would have been worse because these two, are, they're a great pairing there. That It just works. But they're, they're kind of almost playing parody versions of themselves. I mean, Ryan Gosling is just so brooding and intense and purist. I, I agree and they start there. Emma Stone is this sunny, um, uh, you know, free spirit, really. I was halfway through this film desperately concerned I wasn't going to love it nearly as much as I'd been led to believe I would. I mean, it, it is very hard with La La Land when a film arrives with the buzz yeah, like this. a bit of hype. Yeah, it's, you know, I'd, I'd seen, you know, friends of mine whose opinion I, I hold in high regard describe this as a perfect film. And so I was a good halfway through this way. I was a good halfway through this film and I found myself wondering if I was missing the boat, whether, you know, it is. And it was because it was too artificial. Like, there, the, I and this is why I very much 
judged this again in in hindsight it's a bit like you know there's this notion of musicals that always is the you know it's only good if you walk away humming and uh and you and i you know as we do not exist in the bubble have at least discussed the fact that both of us were even oh. today still humming uh at what you know essentially a riff on the version that we heard ryan gosling at, sing at the earlier. start yeah yeah the start and of this little that, that is that song will just yeah you, know, you get that in your teeth and you, it's you're just oh, the piano riffs away bouncing it for but days the other songs Completely forgettable for me. Well, I, I love that one, but the others, compared to so, even something like Doctor Horrible Sing Along Blog, which Joss Whedon just sort of knocked out in a couple of days with a few mates, much better songs. I just the so many the other ones. I was sitting there just going, really, you haven't got no. Well, this is this is the point. I suppose I'm, I'm hamfistedly trying to make. Is it a bit like a song that worries at you after a musical, or that you you keep worrying away at the the nature of this film? Did the same for me because I, I really. Because I was so d- not determined, because I, I, I never, I'm never determined to like a film, but because I was so sure there must be more there. Yeah, there's certainly a weight of expectation. Yeah, the film I, this much hype. I was uh, halfway through. I was very worried, and then it. I just went on that magical sort of transportation that I was discussing before. It's it's not an emotional roller coaster. It is a gradual progression, despite the fact that it is frenetically busy and incredibly. I mean, it's the use of I will at some point just start ranting about colours and sound in this, but it's it's visually stimulating as well. But it is still quite prosaic in the way it moves forward as a, as a narrative. It's not the traditional, you know, the tradition of musicals is often that they're actually frenetic in the second act. It's sort of, you know, all up and down. But this is, it almost just starts driving and, and it's like it's on some sort of, you know, long highway uh, to get there. But it was hours later that I really started just appreciating so much about the film because I was able to put the pieces together in my mind and, and really think on it. It was to me like the you know like a great musical. Not only the the music was I humming later, but in in, in many regards, I suppose I was effectively humming the the themes of the musical and the themes of the story. I think you liked it. I did. <laughs> now I, I will. I will now insert uh, a, a, a couple of things. I, I, I'm just going to. We've, we've discussed the fact that there's a love letter to Los Angeles. I love the fact that there's no schmaltz in it, and that is the weirdest thing I think I can say about this musical because it is so kitschy at times, and it is so uh, extraordinarily uh, upfront with the amount of heart it has. But it, for me, it never went for schmaltz, and that was partly why I was so concerned because I was an hour in and I didn't have an easy emotional response to it because it wasn't playing triggers. It was going for storytelling. Um, but at a filmmaking level, I really want to just talk about the the colours and the way they were used, the way that the seasons are reflected in in this, the, the way that the, the costume and the design was done. Because I don't think costume and design are going to get enough discussion about La La Land. That yellow dress, and uh, it's on some of the posters with mm. the, the blue twilight background, and is, then, is extraordinary. But even things like the way that they use, uh, you know, the way that coming back full circle, I was talking about with this being a love letter to Los Angeles, it's also very much on Hollywood. There's a whole riff on Rebel Without a Cause in this film, which uses the, uh, the observatory that is... At the centre of that film, and there are various scenes stuff uh, structured around the observatory in this film. Griffith and Observatory is it called? I think that may well yeah. be. I'm, I you you have me there, and the um, the way that that is used and the design is used first, the way that it is it it nods its cap to what it is riffing off, then it riffs off it perfectly, and then it develops it um, very much, you know, in a musical sense. But what it then adds to that is just beautifully done. Um, I really like that. I love the fact that the meat cute um, of this film is utterly dismissed by the film. 
Like it actively, and this is a very, again, small spoiler, but it never refers to it other than in an audio cue that is used throughout. And the it, this, again, is why I'm quite convinced that the opening structure and the fact that I agree with you, I don't think the opening song, the opening song is all show, no substance. And it is in. It is you know. It is, I, if you told if if you had structured the musical in the f- the way the first fifteen minutes of the show are, I wouldn't have loved it. Well, if you're talking about cinema tricks, probably the most impressive one that Jamie that Damien Chazelle has, and arguably overuses, is his long takes, which that, are and the first scene is amazing. That one, the the one where they're dancing on the on the. Uh, hilltop. There are a lot of incredible long, long takes, and t- to me, that kind of illustrates the broader problem here: is that it's 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 all in the mind and not enough in the heart. And I know that's novel, but there's a reason why musicals work. And there's a when you when you add songs to a movie and you, or an opera or anything else, you necessarily reduce the complexity of what else is in the film. You reduce the the depth of the character, the dialogue, all that, all that kind of stuff. And to me, when that process happened here, there wasn't enough left. I didn't want the characters to win, really. I didn't like them enough. And they seemed like they were going to be fine without my emotional involvement. And that's a problem, I think, because in musical, whether it's, whether it's musical theatre or a movie musical, you're meant to believe in the idea. And, okay, it does have clever things to say, but in the end, to me, this movie is all clever and no emotion. Oh, see, so, no, I, I, I cannot agree with you there because there is a reveal in the last 15 minutes where our cinema gasped. There was a, a near cinema-wide gasp and that was not because someone had revealed a formula. It was, you know, it was not the intelligence. Disappointment, of perhaps? I don't think so. Uh, it was, you know, and, and it was because I don't think that the... It's not that this film isn't doesn't have emotion it's just that it doesn't go for cheap emotion and it it sets out its stall as you know wanting you to rather than just invest in a one and a half hour melodrama this is a two-hour exploration with emotion and the thing is the danger in going to exploration territory the danger in going into filmic jazz is that you disenfranchise the escapist audience and the escapist audience will absolutely adore this. And so I, 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 I will end my piece in the ending of the film. And, and this is the weirdest uh, suggestion for staying for a film I, I think I've ever made. But I really think people should stay for the film's credits, partly because of the music, which is, you know, it continues and washes, your, washes away with you. But the very, very end of the film, the music reduces and reduces and reduces until it's just a music box. And I just, it was a really perfect nuanced ending to this film to me that it was just this lovely way of wrapping up what this had been. That it was all, it was, it contained fantasy, but it was fantasy in this one world. And so I just, yeah, look, I am far more in love with this film than I was 24 hours ago when I finished seeing it. See, to me, it's, it's, as I said before, it's a film that wants it once to. Um, employ all the toolkit of a musical and deliver the satisfaction that a musical does while at the same time um, innovating and, and showing something more complicated and more modern. And in that sense, I feel it's bogged down by cinematic history, the history that it wants to simultaneously revere with that whole cinemascope reveal and the whole thing, but also depart from. And there's a reason why the formulae work. There's a reason why endings are happy as a, as a general rule without implying what goes on. We all know how musicals are supposed to work. And it's possible to innovate within that um, without having to reinvent 
the wheel. And to me, to me, it comes down as an interesting experiment with great leads, but the songs aren't good enough. The plot doesn't pay off quite enough for me to think this is a masterpiece. Is it? Is it time taker? I think it is. It's time to reveal our true opinions. Look, this is a good film. <laughs> um, I haven't said a word. I don't believe with every part of my soul. I I genuinely was halfway through this film worried that I would have to argue the negative on this and that I was going to have a busted. very difficult month ahead uh, because I knew that I'd end up with many an argument of people trying to explain to me why I was an idiot. But this is not a perfect film, and I think it's actively imperfect, and I ended up liking it all the more for that. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree with just about everything that I've said. I think a lot of the songs aren't good enough. I think a lot of the minor characters aren't used enough. And I, I again, think that's intentional. I agree with you, particularly in the first half hour, 45 minutes of the film. It is very light, and it's it's left to you to you know, cling on. And I think what'll be very interesting is to hear how people handle this as a home entertainment film. Yeah, yeah. I, it's, I, it's a big screen film. You, you it, don't I, even bother. Yeah, but it, but I think the to me it's not even just big screen. It's you need to be locked in a room that makes it inappropriate for you use, for you to use digital devices because distraction um, really could kill you on this. I do want to see it again and I want to think about it some more. But look, I think in the end there is magic in this movie. Mm. It, it is gorgeous. It made me fall in love with LA all over again, and frankly, that's a hard ask. LA, yeah. LA is difficult <laughs> I was to about love. To say all over again. I mean, LA story, I kind of loved, but though yeah, I really it, just that was just one sign on the side of a road that I was really in love with there. Paying out LA fairly exactly. effectively. But look, Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone are, are so likable. I love them so much. Ryan Gosling apparently put in three or four hours a day learning how to mime the piano. Oh, we, I can't believe we haven't talked about his pianist skills yeah. here. Uh, He's not poss- actually, possibly I, I if only because this. it's very hard to actually, you know, have a discussion about a man's pianist skills yeah, without ending up alliterating far too hard for but a podcast. Yeah, apparently he can play everything that's in the film. So his miming is 100% accurate, oh, and but look, it wasn't him playing. Well, no, but, but that makes perfect sense to me. I mean, it is the nature it's of... It's incredible. Yeah, he, he essentially had the nature of ADR, which is you know, when, you know, voiceover is dropped in afterwards, done for piano. Piano? Ah, that's, that's, that's what... That's what piano. 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 Yeah. 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 So I was having a Mediterranean moment. Uh, no, his, his pianist skills are on the screen to be seen. There's no way... That uh, he wields he his pianist with you, a plum. Exactly. You, you and I, um, you're, you're obviously, I had no idea, a sideline uh, improvisational jazz pianist. Yeah, but, uh, I took classes. I don't know. And, and I, I, took, I, I took many years of, of piano, uh, enough that I can tell if someone's bluffing um, because yeah. they look as bad as I am. He's but, very um, good. No, he is very good. And, yeah, you know, I think that, you know, and it's interesting, you know, you'll never know with Emma Stone how much, uh, you know, there's been pitch adjustment and the like, but she, you know, they both very much just have their raw, what's feels like they're raw voices in the soundtrack. Um, it's not... Yeah, Emma uh, does out-sing him pretty comprehensively, but which is fine. his piano skills yeah, are yeah, impressive. Yeah, Their dancing isn't amazing, but... I just feel sorry for any other actor who now auditions for Damien Chazelle. Auditions <laughs> may, I don't think anyone will audition for him anymore. He'll just call them and tell them they're in a film. But Have yeah, you, you got you, incredible musical now, skills? If so, talk to Damien Chazelle. Exactly, but if you don't, well, Miles Teller learnt, you know, got that much better at the drums, Brian Gosling got that much better at piano, uh, which I'm going to keep camp. saying, by the way. Uh, but, uh, yeah, not. so when, um, yeah, it, 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 I, I think that, you know, everyone else uh, will now be afeared of being cast in one of Damien Chazelle's films. So how good do you actually think this is? Because to, to, to me, this is... I, I think it's very good. I think it's certainly flawed. I think some of the criticisms that I've made, in fact, all, just about all of them are fair. I just think it overcomes them through great filmmaking and 
visual ingenuity, and two really great actors. I thought this was really good and magical last night. I think it's really great tonight. That's and well, I saw it last night with you. Uh, yeah, the I, sound was crap in our cinema. Too, it really was. was. I, I, I really want to see it in a in another center in another environment. That. But um, the I, I just have to say, I, the, I mean, look. Apart from anything else, this is going to do very well at the Oscars and in awards season because you know it doesn't. What went? What I said before about films uh, that have run out of ideas by making films about Hollywood. The reverse is true. Hollywood just loves they it. Love they think it's about Hollywood. Amazing. Everyone says the player was the greatest film ever. Robert Altman. I yeah. thought it was just all right. It's it's. it's, it's look, not I, bad. I must admit, I, I don't uh, I don't love it in the way that I love La La Land. Uh, it's probably the way I'll, I'll, I will end on that. So yeah, look, this you, this is a very very good film. Uh, it is. Its brains are incredible, and the best thing is the way that it hides its bushel hides its, hides its light under a bushel for so long and you feel like it's simple even to the point of when I'd walked out I, I, it was in my mind more simple than I've now realised it is there's a moment at the end of the film and you know it when you see it where you just think bravo to be perfectly yeah. honest it, it's just one of those moments you remember and, and one little subtle gesture can say everything, yeah. and, f- and for that alone, it's worth seeing. Look, it's, I, if you like the movies, go and see La La Land. What, what's really interesting is this is going to do very well at awards because it can tick so many technical boxes, and the performance levels of Ryan Gosling, Emma Stone, and then the the level of filmmaking involved, I can totally see why it's favourite in all three categories. And I say that having seen quite a few of the other uh, films that are considered outstanding candidates, and there are some really excellent films uh, in line for Oscars com- consideration this year. But please, if you get J.K. Simmons for a film, give him a damn song, would you? You will just... Or a chair he can throw. <laughs> if you agree or disagree, you can tell us at our uh, Culture Wars Facebook page. And we'll catch you next time, won't we, Giles? We shall indeed. Thanks very much, Dom. No, thanks. Oh, hang on, we're agreeing now. Oh. <laughs>